We are twin brothers who grew up Atari, or as we call it, in the vertical blank. Technically, the vertical blank is the space between the last line of the current frame and the first line of the next, where off-screen calculations create a cathode ray tube display. It exists, literally, between the lines, invisible yet all-seeing, in a void where magic occurs that is never seen, only experienced. It is the figurative location of our existential longing for the past and attempts to bridge it to the present and the future. The vertical blank is an omniscient force containing the nuances that make our nostalgia a reality. It's the transcendental location that holds our best memories, biggest joys, greatest fears, and our most terrible losses. You've been warned. You can stop this tape now and turn around. For once you've entered, there may be no escape. All the scan lines have been written. It's time to enter the vertical blank. Hello, Vertical Blankers. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 3 of Into the Vertical Blank, Generation Atari. This episode is titled Atari Nerd. The reason we're calling it Atari Nerd is because that was the name of our first podcast in 2008. We only made one episode. It was quite possibly the first Atari podcast ever, but we're not sure about that. It also is sort of poor audio quality, but it's still good enough to be featured in this episode. We also have some news and a couple great stories from Steve. We'd like everyone to know that we're working very hard on stories and content for episode 4, Asteroids, covering all of the versions and variations that we have played over the years on Atari and other systems. We'd love to feature your stories too. Please submit them to 8bitrocket.com. Dot collectibles at gmail.com. That's the number 8 B I T R O C K E T dot C O L L E C T I B L E S at gmail.com. You can also send us a direct message to our Twitter account at Atari underscore VB underscore pod. As a little incentive, the best story will receive an Atari Asteroids cartridge pack consisting of the 2600 Atari 8-bit and 7800 cartridges. Thanks in advance for submissions, and now, on to the episode. News. First up, we have a brand new book that we just received. The Atari 2600 Homebrew Companion, Volume 1, by Brian Mathern. This book contains a detailed description of 35 Atari VCS homebrew games, including some of the earliest, like Okie Dokie from 1996, all the way to some of the newest and best, like Scramble from 2017, a personal favorite of mine. Each game is detailed with release notes, gameplay options, controls, design, strategy, and more. It's a must-have for any Atari VCS homebrew fan. Speaking of homebrew, we've also been collecting books on how to make our own homebrew games for Atari systems. The first two we've received are by Stephen Hug. One of them is on making assembly language games for the Atari 2600. 
is conveniently titled Making Games for the Atari 2600. His second book is called Making 8-Bit Arcade Games in C, and this one's very interesting. This book covers five of the main systems used to make arcade games in the 70s and early 80s. It gives you all the knowledge you need to make games with these systems and to make MAME ROMs targeting those systems so you can distribute your games on MAME. Lastly, on the homebrew book front, I just received the Atari Assembler, a book from 1981 on programming Atari assembly, assembly language for the 400 and 800 with the Atari Assembler Editor cartridge. It's a slowpoke cartridge, but it's still good to learn on. This is one of the few affordable Atari 8-bit assembly language books you'll find out there right now. And while it doesn't go deep into graphics and sound, it does cover enough of the basics so that you can jump over and try coding with one of the more advanced games and graphics books that you'll find on archive.org and Atari Mania. Speaking of homebrew games, on the software side, we received an incredible repro copy, complete in box of Xenophobe for the Atari 8 bits. This masterpiece was a gift from Near Dairy. It contains a full box full-color instructions, a beautiful full-color cartridge label, and even new code helping to make the game better and more playable than a prototype. Near, you're a genius. Thank you. I also just purchased Tempest Elite Plus for the XLXE. This is such a great version of Tempest that if you drop a driving controller into your 8-bit and pop this card in, it rivals the Jaguar version for fun and playability. Among other new carts, for the 7800, I got Super Skateboarding finally, and also a, a CIB copy of Minor 2049er. I was also able to get a 2600 Hero cartridge, but not CIB. I've been looking for it for a long time for an affordable price. I got this one for $38. Not that affordable, but still a good deal. Steve and I are now on a quest to collect all of the CIB games we had as kids, and we were so Atari-obsessed that we had a lot of them, over a hundred, including games for the Supercharger, $5 games we picked up at uh, KB Toys on Closeout, a bunch of regular price games. We had so many. Uh, there's no way we're going to find CIB copies of all of them, but we're going to try. Also, just today, I ventured into a local retro store and finally purchased their loose copies of Barnyard Blaster and Bug Hunt for the XEGS. I have the gun and a tube TV, and now I'm going to try to be frustrated trying to figure out how to calibrate the gun properly to play these two games. But it's an adventure. It's an Atari adventure. Coming up next is the 2008 one and only podcast of 8-Bit Rocket's Atari Nerd. This is 8-Bit Steve, or Fultonbot on Twitter. 
Look, I'm not sure if this is the first Atari podcast ever. It probably isn't. But it's definitely one of the first. This is back when Jeff and I were heavily running 8BitRocket.com and we were trying to come up with new content on a daily basis. This podcast about Atari came after a bunch of other podcasts we had created about Flash game development. But we felt like it was time to hear something about Atari. And I have to tell you, nobody was really talking about Atari at the time besides what you would find on AtariAge.com. There are almost no YouTube videos, no blogs, no podcasts, of course, or anything else. So, this is from December 2008, and was our first attempt at trying to do something like this. So, 10 years down the line now, we're trying to do it in a way that really salutes what 8BitRocket.com was back in the day. A place for everything we love to be in one place so we could talk about it. So, here's that podcast. 8-Bit Rocket. Alright, this is the first of our Atari Nerd Podcast. Atari Nerd. Atari Nerd. So, we've been doing the Game Storm Podcast for a while, and we're going to continue to do that. Oh boys, this sounds awful, but I will let it go on for a bit. Let me explain what Game Storm was first. Steve made a program that would spit out random game ideas. It was like one of the random sentence generators that these two Atari nerd boys created on their little 800 computer widget in BASIC in 1983. They made entire podcasts starting in about 2008 where they simply had the new Flash version randomly create game ideas and they would laugh and discuss them. No wonder it didn't last very long. Being the compelling, almost Shakespearean content that it was, and we're going to focus it on actual flash game development. Um, but we've decided that we want to pick up our Atari nerd, nerdness, and take it to the next level because we think there's a gulf out there for Atari nerds. I, I saw <laughs> on our, I know, uh, what Jeff had put up a message um, not too long ago by a guy named John Harris um, who wrote for Gama Sutra. He wrote about the 20 best Atari arcade games and get, get a game design from them. And he asked, where are the Atari fanboys? Right Now, there are tons of Atari fans out there, right? Atari fans at Atari Age, um, Atari Museum, the Kurt Vendels, you know, the world, the guys of classic gaming. Um, but I think what he was asking was about the fanboys. See, Atari fans, for the most part, and we love all those guys, a lot of them are very much into digging up old games from the past, like unreleased games, because there's that... I wrote another blog about this, you know, not too long ago, but it was about how, um, how you know, basically about not being able to give up stuff in the past. When there's a, when, you know, a company like Atari dies, you know, in 1983 or 84, whenever, however you decide when it died, um, what ends up happening is there's a ton of leftover material, unreleased, unfinished, and the, because of the death, the, um, the fans of Atari have been mourning for the past, you know, 25 years, the death of Atari. And to mourn, what they want is Atari to live again. So they go try to find unreleased, or actually unreleased games, and then now they, they, they get into the point about 10 years ago, making their own games. So lots of homebrew games, and uh, all that's great, and we have nothing against that, and actually we'll probably talk about it. But... Tisk tisk, nerdlingers. What a difference 10 years make. 
why did you not keep flogging this one topic dead over and over and over, like you have been with what is a vertical blank? That could certainly have filled at least one more episode of this masterful, driving noise-drenched pod sound thingy. You two twiddly wingers are the Atari fanboys, and there are many like you. Yeah. What Jeff and I want to talk about the Atari nerd is being an Atari fanboy, which is which is Atari games wanting wanting their you know to express that the games that Atari made back in their heyday were absolutely fantastic. Wanting the new Atari to recognize that, and wanting the new Atari to do well too, um, because a lot of people say you know the new Atari isn't the old Atari. Well, that's fine, but you know what, the new Sega isn't the old Sega. Either. I would I would hazard to guess that very few people left at Sega now were at Sega at the beginning. Um, I'd say that probably only a couple people left at Nintendo that were actually there. At yeah. Maybe, boys, maybe. Research would have helped this discussion. The sound is awful. I'm going to have to cut you off soon and just let you make a few salient points before everyone listening goes insane from the racket. Where were you going anyway? Why record this in the wind tunnel with knickers over your mouths? Beginning of Nintendo, and and so you know while while I'm now of course with Nintendo, there's some very important people still left there. But my point is that the Atari nerd is what we're focusing on is the Atari fanboy is is all about Atari now. So what do you think, Jeff? Well, yeah, uh, my sure. guy tribe. It's a, it's a, Atari now equals everything. The guys at Atari Age, the guys at Atari, even the guys who used to work at, work at Hasbro, who to me were the best version of the modern Atari, because they, they're, they're, those guys, all the releases had a limited budget. They didn't put out the greatest games in the world. I like a lot of them, but they really focused on re-releasing modern versions yeah. of games and modern trying to make franchises Atari. out of them. Oh, they tried. So, so they written, and I don't know where those guys went. I think it was we kind of like, to find yeah. them. Yeah. So one of Atari nerds' jobs is going to be find those guys who worked at Hasbro after Atari was bought in 1998. And um, it was 1998, right? It was about 1998. Some time around the same time that Mattel needed to buy someone, and Hasbro ended up buying Atari, buying the assets of Atari, became creating Hasbro Interactive. And they also bought, by the way, um, for a while, um, they they were part of Microprose and had. Um, I believe they had um, Roller Coaster Tycoon too. Which they might have, right. Yeah, it was very interesting. They bought MicroPros, um, and that was a very interesting thing too. But so I'd like to do, we'll talk about some things about the modern Atari. I'd like right. to talk about Atari Interactive, or Atari, sorry, Atari Infograms, and about all the games they've made since they became Atari Infograms. What's actually worthwhile? You know, what's actually worth the Atari canon in that, with that name? So there are other things too to talk about that a lot of people miss. And there's a billion, um, there's a billion uh, press releases about this, but and the one thing that's interesting to me is that. Atari's trying to revive the Ghostbusters franchise, which was which was both a mo- mo- I think it's Ghostbusters the video game. I'm trying yeah, to it's Ghostbusters the video game. Um, never, I think that was one of the yeah. surprisingly. This game was released by Atari in 2009. To generally positive reviews. Yeah. Best video games on the Atari had its last Commodore 64 here in the Made US. by Activision. Made by Activision, right? And it was one of the greatest games, and you hope that they would make something like it, of course. Well, that, 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 that Ghostbusters game has been in development for a couple, for like at least a year now. I remember hearing about it last year for the Wii, um, from, from the developer. They didn't have a publisher at the time. And they were, they, it sounded like it'd be an awesome game for the Wii, where you like, basically don't cross the strings. I mean, I mean, it's really simple for the Wii. You know, you got the Wiimote, and you're gonna try to get the, you know, get 
get the get the ghosts. So I, I was actually encouraged to hear that they had picked that one up. Um, so what, what, why don't you talk a little bit, Steve, about the um, the idea that we were throwing around about the VGS 8200. Right. So there was a, about four years ago, um, Jeff and I were putting together a website called Retro Hello, uh, which is Retro Hell. And he, basically the, the title was Retro Hello, and then a, um, the B from Galaga would fly over and it would land on the O, and then the O would kind of buzz out and electrocute the B, and it would say Retro Hell. Kind of like Motel Hello. I mean, that was the extent of the joke. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so Retro Hell, but there was already a website called Retro Hell, and it was, it was, you know, it was something different. And we were trying to get off the ground a retro gaming site, but we didn't have enough content for a retro gaming site, so it kind of fell by the wayside. Wow, I guess that was much like the Atari Nerd Podcast too. There is nothing like history repeating itself every ten years, now is it, boys? Let's not let that happen with Into the Vertical Blank. I need this gig. Um, but at the time, I thought that it would be great to take some, some Flash games and create something called the VGS8200, which is our virtual game system, 8200. Did the number pull that out of the air to try to salute 1982, which was the you know Atari's best year ever? So it was 8200. Um, but the idea was that you know you would go to this flash game console and you would take these virtual cartridges and stick them into the console and and play games. It was this, this was long before any flash game portals existed, and we thought this would be you know a great thing. Of course, you know like many of Jeff and I's projects, it fell by the wayside. We never did it. Now there's hundreds of flash game portals, and we probably could have done pretty well with it if we decided yeah. to do it at the beginning. Although we had a monetization idea where we would actually would pay for cartridge time, which ne- wouldn't work at all. Right work, yeah. But but the, the idea of the VGC 800 then extended to um, a couple weeks ago we did a, um, a series called um, Project Save Atari and it was our basically love letter to the new Atari Atari Infograms knowing that those guys are really trying hard to keep the name Atari alive basically to keep Infograms alive but whatever you know Infograms was there back in the in the in the heyday of video games as well I mean they were 1981 or 82 they started it's like saying you know I liken Infograms to one of the original punk rock bands you know yeah okay um, Stiff Roll Fingers wasn't the was it the Sex Pistols? But they were there at the same. They were there pretty much at the same time. So that's why Infograms was there. Um, they were making games for um, for all the um, the British systems at the time. They made tons of Atari ST games. So I'm thinking, you know what? They're not just some brand new company. They've been around for a long time. They at least have some semblance of the past. So if anyone's going to own Atari, they might as well, yeah. right? It's uh, better than the Tremels owning Atari, who had nothing to do with with, with video games. I think that is Trey Mel. And now that you can see what they did with their limited budget for the XEGS and 7800, I think we can agree that while they made some mistakes, that Jack and Sons did the best they could. Yeah, if Activision owned it, it'd be, it'd be good too. But um, you know, Activision also in Electronic Arts, you know, their their names have been dragged through the mud in the last you know you know twenty years as well. But but anyway, you know, the, you know, beggars can't be choosers. So we we did this project Save Atari, which the idea was to um, come up with a bunch of old Atari properties and things that Infograms might own or that were actually from Atari platforms. Maybe not even you know that Atari made that Infograms could use to create 
virtual versions of, or we'd like to see re-released on a virtual console of some type on modern modern computers. Then we came up with this silly idea of the VGS 800, which is basically Atari's own console that they would use to do this stuff. It sounds like you might have been onto something here, boys. Did it have wood grain with a joystick that lights up? Did it come with a Bluetooth hat? So the idea about the console was that you would create a very low-cost um, set-top box and and portable console, and it's getting it would it would have good enough hardware, almost the Wii style, almost Wii level hard hardware, so you could make new games based on old franchises, but they'd all be downloadable. It would all be a downloadable console. You might buy the console with a with an SD card that had a game or two on it or had the ability, but but the idea was you, you would you basically go online to download. You would you would emulate every old Atari system plus as many old other systems as possible. You know, um, ClickoVision. If, you know, in television, whatever. A lot of those consoles used, like ClickVision, used all licensed games. So it be, might be a little di- difficult to play them. Um, you know, coin ops, whatever. They too would be your virtual console would, would basically resurrect the Atari franchises and game designs. It's the ultimate Atari fanboyness. Um, Prophetic and genius. Prophetic and genius. I didn't know I was in the presence of such grand thinkers. I just hope it's not a GoFundMe masked as a pre-order. It's not about resurrecting unreleased games, and it's not about um, it's not about um, new games on old hardware. Um, it's basically about the game ideas, right? right? Because you wouldn't want to build. I mean, you could you could release homebrew stuff on there if you wanted, but the point would be designing new games around Atari ideas and IP, not necessarily around Atari hardware. Although you're saluting the hardware by bringing it back, by you know by bringing back the games from, from it. And actually letting go. And so that was the idea of the VGS 8200. And so instead of just having that out there as a as something that we have an idea, we decided to resurrect it for ourselves and use it. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um. The planned virtual Flash Games version on 8bitrocket.com never materialized. I wonder if anyone at Atari ever took that idea and ran with it. So, so I, I started a blog this week called Ari Nerd, and um, that um, very interesting um, uh, set of, of news. There's a person that went into the Atari 2600 and recorded all of the the sounds uh, from the gate from the, uh, the oscillators in on there to, for the. Um, uh, synthesizers, and so you, you can download all of the Atari 2600 sounds, and you can use them in your games. I think they're with a non-commercial uh, new license. Uh, that was the, all the Pokey Chip. All the front oh, the They didn't have a is Pokey it Chip. Tia? Is this the 2600? Yeah. So it's the Tia. Yeah. Which is which is, uh, which is not a fantastic sound. But right but now. all those sounds you hear. Yeah. Anyway, um, there was some other stuff going on. Obviously, um, the one great thing in the, the Atari ST world is um, the Stickhead blog and. The, the actual um, name of it is escaping me. There's a three great site. Well, there's the Joy of Sticks. You mean the Joy of Sticks? There's four great Atari computer sites out there that I visit um, routinely. One is uh, www.atari.st, run by Richard Davy, and that is um, the um, the old little green desktop site that basically is the best just full of Atari ST stuff. Um, there's another one called uh, Atari Legend, which is basically an attempt 
to catalog every single Atari ST game ever, and that's a fantastic idea. Um, and then there's um, Atari Mania, which is, uh, Atari Mania, which is trying to do that for every Atari yeah, system. Yeah, Atari 8-bit as well. And then, of course, um, you've got Atari, and Atari it's site, but it, they don't Atari really focus H. on the computers. So. But then the one thing I was saying was the, uh, the, joy, the joy of Sticks blog. Um. The Joy of Sticks blog seems to be dormant. But there is a Facebook page and YouTube channel with some recent updates. Yeah. Is um, another one, and one thing that's fantastic there is the great Atari ST game survey with the top 50 games with oh, pictures yes. and descriptions. If you, you know, a lot of you won't be able to get to those games, but via emulation you can play them and find them across the internet, especially on the debug site, which has all the ROMs for you to download. And um, it's just a fantastic way to spend some free time if you have it. To kind of sum up what the whole Atari nerd idea is. Is. Um, we want to have a good retro gaming podcast, but we don't want to limit to just retro gaming. We also want to talk about building new games based on Atari franchises or just inspiration of Atari game designs. Um, and we also want to talk about the new version of Atari Infogram. Well, obviously, you know, we have tons of content that we talk about of Atari in general because we're big, huge Atari nerd fans. Yeah. Um, so what do you think, Jeff? What do you, what do you think about the, direct, the Atari nerd direction? Uh, well, um, obviously I'm involved, so I think it's a good idea. Um, I think that, uh, that the direction's fine, and I'd love to explore more things. I actually like to um, add that to our uh, stable Vapor Rocket content. Um, I think it's, uh, we've been moving in that direction already, along with the Flash games and Flash tutorials and other retro things and things about yeah. retro game design. Retro games, a little bit of retro music and sort of our, uh, our music and sound effects that we let people have for free. Um, none of people are visiting that. We've got to add to that section, but those are the things we need to focus on. And um, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I think I think it's a very very good idea to keep on moving in the Atari direction. Um, and uh, a lot of Atari ST fans are visiting the site every once in a while. So we have Atari ST articles. I have. We used to do a lot of. Um, I used to do a lot of Atari 100 and ST stories on games. I just fire up the emulator, find some random games, and play them and and review them. I'm gonna do more of that. Um, I have some Jaguar article, a Jaguar article. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that, that kind of, you know, I, I've noticed that um, there's something that really bothers me is is you'll look at the, the list of, you know, 100 best games or whatever, 200 best video games ever made, and, and you know, one of them on there was Fantasy Star. And, and you know, I, play, I went and played Fantasy Star, and it's a fine game, okay? Fantasy Star is a fun game. But it is nowhere near one of the best RPGs ever made. It's nowhere, not even for the first one, not even for the era that it came out in. Is it anywhere close? And and I think one of, one of the problems is that there's so many great games that were built for in the 16-bit era and the 8-bit era of Atari um, that 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 all that a lot of fanboys just miss. And they and they tend. To, I, I saw I saw a description of American RPGs when someone was talking about this game, this GBA and now DS game called Mazes of Fate. And I looked at it, and, the, and whoever wrote it was a I was honestly a complete and total imbecile. Wow. Tell us how you really feel, 8-Bitter Steve. If you felt such passion, why not a second Atari Nerd podcast until 10 years later under a new name? Huh? Why? Nerd boys, you always start too early, fail, and then jump in again too late. Oh, I hear my train whistle. Have fun fixing the sound on this one boys, I'll be back for the Asteroids episode in a couple weeks. About, you know, and, and I'm, I'm, it, it, it sort of saddens me that, 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 
that the idea is that um, American RPGs are some, you know, like um, toxic sort of content that was built in the 80s. And then when people realize that, that their Final Fantasy and their Fantasy Star basically ripped them off entirely. Yeah. So, anyway, um, we're, our, our aim with Atari Nerd is to, is to bring some of that fanboy back to Atari, some of the love back to the actual Atari stuff, and not just the things you've heard about, the asteroids and the, and the centipedes and all that stuff, but everything else. I mean, I'd say Fantasy 1 is a good place to start. Right. Exercise Fantastic ST, Amiga, Commodore 64, Atari right. game. Anyway, so, um, so let's, um, let's stop it for today, but um, next time we'll be back with another Atari Nerd podcast or a Game Storm or whatever. We're not sure yet. FedMart. FedMart was the only place within a mile of our house that had Atari 2600s for sale. We received our 2600 in 1981, which was almost four years after we'd first played one. So between 1978 and almost 1982, we had to find places to play Atari. Atari Nerd Poetry Haiku Fedmart Baptism by Pixel The Back of the Store in 1978 Right of the Housewares Next to the Fire Door Heavy Sixer with Combat Two Wide-Eyed Kids Thumbs on the Buttons CX40s in Our Palms Hands and eyes in sync. This effing rules, man. Cool-ass games on a TV. Much better than Pong. Tanks, biplanes and jets. Bouncing shots, racking up scores. You play while mom shops. This ain't no arcade, yells the TV salesman in the CNR suit. He says, that's it, boys. Then he hits the power switch. Now get out of here. We then skulk away from the TV section, but we will be back soon. Tokens for a dollar. Yet another great short piece from Steve. In the spring of 1982, I think I defined exactly what the vertical blank was. In an essay for Mrs. Davis's English class, I wrote the following. It was an essay called my favorite thing to do from 322 1982 my favorite thing to do is play a video game after school on thursdays i run home grab ten dollars and nag my mom to take me to the arcade when we get there i jump out of the car run into the arcade and change my money when the money is changed i run over to the nearest galaga machine and start to play what great fun it is to blast ships out of the sky and when it's over, I slide another quarter in and play again. The sounds and colors the game makes are crisp and real. 
When you're playing the game, it's like your mind goes blank and all you can see is your ship blasting other ships. You usually play for about five hours and when you finally leave, you have a bad headache and are dizzy. You feel so bad that for the next seven days, you are sick and on the eighth you recover and on that same day, you go back to the arcade. And that's the end of the essay. First off, let's be honest, this essay sucks. It's not even a proper essay. Where are the five paragraphs? Where's the conclusion? I was such a slacker. Secondly, the whole bit about having $10 and playing for five hours is a complete and total fabrication. It was like $2. And we played for two hours, because they gave you eight tokens for a dollar at the Castle Park Arcade in Redondo Beach on Thursdays. I probably didn't mention tokens at all because I did not think the teacher would even understand. Mrs. Davis must have assigned an essay where we had to use the numbers 10, 5, 7, and 8, or something like that. She also probably wanted us to describe an activity in detail. By the way, not every kid wrote about video games in those days. In fact, I imagine I was going out on the limb with this essay because Mrs. Davis could be really strict and straight-laced. The third paragraph is the most interesting to me because it describes how my 12-year-old self felt when I was playing a video game. I'll read it again. The sounds and colors the game makes are crisp and real. When you're playing the game, it's like your mind goes blank, and all you can see is your ship blasting other ships. I've got two things to say about that. One, what I said right there is probably a zero-tolerance violation in 2018. Two, I think I described exactly what it felt like to be in the vertical blank. Also, before we go, we'd be remiss to not mention the other great podcast that we love. Of course, the one and only Ferg continues his onslaught of Atari VCS goodness on the Atari VCS Game by Game podcast. The latest episode about Climber 5 includes a don't-miss interview with homebrew developer Dennis Debro. Antic, the Atari 8-bit podcast, is still unstoppable in its effort to place every possible brick into the foundation of Atari oral history with a series of fascinating interviews with the now grown-up kids from Atari's Youth Advisory Board. Also, a shout-out to David Posteri from the Atari 5200 podcast and the Atari XEGS cart-by-cart podcast, both very cool shows that cover those systems in amazing detail. Also, don't miss Inverse Tasky and Intellivisionaries. Plus, for general interest, the newest season of Malcolm Gladwell's Revisionist History and Gimlet's Reply All are both very well worth your time. You can get a great dose of Atari VCS podcast goodness weekly by checking out the Atari Bytes podcast. William Pepper does a wonderful job of reviewing and adding a three-dimensional story to games that sometimes were paper thin with only a single or no dimension to their game stories. Also, check out Shinto's highly detailed Jaguar game-by-game podcast and both of Sean Courtney's podcasts, the wonderful Atari 7800 homebrew podcast, and one of my favorite all-time retro gaming podcasts, The Pie Factory, which he co-hosts with Jim G. 
All right, vertical blankers, that's a wrap for Season 1, Episode 3, Atari Nerd. Please visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and 8BitRocket.com. As a reminder, we are preparing for Episode 4, Stories, Gameplay, History, and More on Asteroids, and would really like to include your stories, too. Please submit them to 8BitRocket.Collectibles at gmail.com. That's the number 8, B-I-T-R-O-C-K. K-E-T dot C-O-L-L-E-C-T-I-B-L-E-S at gmail.com. You can also send your submission as a direct message to our Twitter account at Atari underscore VB underscore pod. As a little incentive, the best story will receive an Asteroids cartridge prize pack consisting of the 2600 Atari 8-bit and Atari 7800 Asteroids cartridges. Thanks in advance for your story submission. And thank you once again for taking a trip with us into the vertical blank. Next frame calculated, prepare to write new data, V blank ending.